1: Hey, guys, it's Mish from Mission Zach's Legwazama Rama. Please do not listen to this podcast if you are scared of spoilers. There will be spoilers. We guarantee it. Do not listen. This is your spoiler warning. Don't say I didn't warn you. Peace. I hate the word. I got, I got, the I got one leg and a I'm going to a little cornstarch on my werewolf man. Yeah.
2: Hello and welcome to Mission Zach's Leguizama I'm the co-host of Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama, Zach Rawane, and I'm here to tell you about Mission Zach's Leguizama Rama. Mission Zach's Leguizamarama is a podcast where Mish and Zach talk about John Leguizamo, thus the Leguazama Rama of Mission Zach's Leguazama John Leguazamo, of course, the brutally underrated actor, comedian, and performer, theater maker, writer, uh that we all love. Welcome again. Mission Zach's leg was Amarama. As I said earlier in this intro that I uh, thought I could do off by heart, but am not quite ready to do off by heart. My name is Zach Rewain, who you might know from ABC2's This Is Littleton. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, dear friend and ex-roommate, Mish Wittrup, who you might know from...
1: Being a really big advocate for following a script, <laughs> yes, a big one. Um, but that, that was, was th- fun. It was funny. It People was were cool. like, oh, 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 oh yes, yeah. I was, I was laughing. I was I, laughing. I if hit it, the points. You did, and I think it's very clear what this, the title of this podcast is, and what we're here to talk about.
2: Uh, let's be real. I don't think there's like. A, I, I, I don't think this is how people engage with podcasts. Full stop. People kind of subscribe based on the broad topic, mm-hmm. but on the very off chance that occasionally someone is like, "I'm go- I'm looking for one episode of one podcast about one film. I'm mm-hmm. going to search for that, and if it comes up, I'm going to listen to it." Mm-hmm. I, 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 a, if that person is here right now, I think they get it. We talk and about also, hi, welcome, hi, welcome, hello. B We are talking about a smaller independent film uh, this this uh, today this week, so I don't think there is going to be a huge amount of people coming in.
1: Unless, of course, someone has gone. I really want to listen to a podcast about how to steal a car.
2: (laughs) You are absolutely right.
1: (laughs) So I am going to look up stealing cars. Oh, what's this? Yeah, these two these two Australian comedians have all the advice on on um, how to steal a car. No, no, you are wrong. That's not this kind of podcast. This podcast is about Dr. Phil and this podcast is about pasta recipes that are mm-hmm. a bit fucked up.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: This isn't about stealing cars. It might be about this particular episode is about the, the movie mm-hmm. called Stealing Cars that I reckon mm-hmm. no one has seen.
2: No, not a great deal of people probably. I do don't they.
1: think I would, I know, okay, in my life I'm 32, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> okay, 32.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I've met a fair few people in my life. Mm-hmm. I reckon none of the people I've ever met in my 32 years of life have seen this film.
2: And that's definitely a dot point for us to discuss is film marketing and the death of the independent American feature.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, and I'm excited to make that funny.
1: Yeah, that, that's going to be fun. That's <laughs> going really to be really fun. I'm excited
2: to jump in there and give that a real go, a red hot go. Mm. Um, do you want to just do the paragraph?
1: Yeah, I'm going to do film? the paragraph on this movie. Uh this week, if it's not very clear from the fact that you guys are all criminals that want to steal cars, and that's why you're mm. listening to this podcast, um, uh, the movie that we're doing today is Stealing Cars.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm going to read to you all about it. Basically. All right. Once upon a time, there was a very smart but very slick teenager named Billy Wyatt, played by Emery Cohen. He is very clever and loves poetry and classic novels, but also likes stealing cars and taunting police officers and smirking at people. He does a bunch of super naughty illegal car stealing and gets sent to a young offenders institute called the Burnsville Camp for Boys. This place is run by some really mean men who use intimidation and a lot of yelling to get the boys to do what they want. Luckily, Billy befriends some of the other boys there, I think, He also becomes friends with a cop, played by Mike Epps from the Friday movies. He also has a cheeky romantic feeling and chit-chat with the nurse that works at the Institute. Billy Wyatt gets into some punch-ons and also a lot of philosophical chats while he learns to survive not only the cruel staff and dangerous inmates, but also his past decisions and regrets. John Leguizamo plays Montgomery Dela Cruz, the director of the Institute. He has a very cool car and wears a sweater vest. He is seemingly nice at parts, but mostly he just seems a bit surly. He looks like he wants to help Billy grow and mature at one point, allowing and agreeing to Billy's suggestion that they build a cinema for the Institute, but maybe he has another agenda. What is that other agenda? I have no idea. (laughs) That's about right, yeah?
2: Yeah, it's a very thorough description. Um, We put it at the top, but spoiler alert, OBS, we're not going to... We can't we can't talk about this film for an hour and not not give it away.
1: I don't think we can talk about this film for an hour.
2: Yeah, it's true. <laughs> um I want to I want to uh, open uh this I had a real dilemma. I watched this film last night. Mm. Um and uh I I I had a real dilemma. I don't think this is a funny conversation but like whatever, let's just talk about it. Yeah. I had a real thing right where Ever since we found out, ever since Leguizamo like, liked some of our posts, yeah, there's always been a layer of uh, what if Leguizamo's listening, right? Mm-hmm. And that's a bit of a gag for us. It's also a bit of a like a thing, you know. Um, what do you do? How do we treat that? Um, and then with things like, uh, like a, um, what was that superhero one he was in? Kick-Ass 2.
1: Kick-Ass 2. I was like, he
2: doesn't care about Kick Ass Two. He wasn't passionate about Kick Ass Two. We can mock that movie, right? Yes. Um, this film, right? I don't know. I, I I get the sense like he he did it, and but I what what has happened for me through this process is I've come to this place of like, I make things, I make stuff. You make stuff. Mm-hmm. We're not just critics, we're not just like culture people, we make things. And yep. it's really made me kind of reappraise or come back to what I was like at uni, which was like, okay, if I can't mock this because he might be listening, um, how can I engage with it? What can I do? What can I get from it? Both as a person, like both as someone who likes to make things and f- like f- makes right stuff, But also just for this, like, how can I be funny or interesting talking about it without tearing into it? Because the easiest thing to do is, like, that was shit. Here's why it was shit. Like, that's very easy. There's people that have built whole careers on that. Some people have done really good stuff with that.
1: Like Perez Hilton.
2: Perez Hilton. uh, And some people have done really good stuff with that.
1: Yeah.
2: (laughs) Um, And I just had a moment with this. so, So I'm in that process. As well as that... I've started to think, all right, if Leguizamo is aware of this podcast, it makes me go from time to time like other people might be. Like, I've listened to, I've read the comments, I've listened to stuff. Things have come into my periphery about me that I've read that have hurt my feelings and I get a thick skin and I get over it. But by being aware that John's listening to it, by that dumb cunt that wore the hat um, in Master Chef, When we did our recaps thing Becoming yep. aware that he knew about the podcast I've had this whole dilemma where it's like We don't have many listeners But one of the few listeners We're probably going to have from time to time Is someone who was involved in the thing And going, oh my god The film I made that had no traction Has finally got someone talking about it I'm going to listen to this So I'm very aware of that As well as that I just don't like shitting on movies that that I hate. What I've really realised is I hate a big budget movie that shoots for three stars and gets three stars. I'll watch a movie like that, but mm-hmm. in my core, I hate those movies. Something yep. that's like, eh, if we, if we do fine and we put out fine, um, I hate that. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really hate that fucking one we watched 2 or 3 weeks ago where it was like Cormac McCarthy where it's like people that are so up their own that are so above everyone that no one's giving them criticism and they're not growing I mm. hate that This film was so low budget it was so small yeah. it felt like a passion project for a number of people it was the narrative debut of the director um it had an amazing cast all giving a lot And I really, 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 really didn't care for it. (laughs) Yes. Yep. (laughs) It wasn't for me. I wasn't in a good mood yesterday, so I'll give it that. But I didn't really, I didn't like the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's just, I really don't want to shit on it either. I really, it's like, who am I to shit? There but for I know the what grace you mean. of God go I, you know. When
1: we, so everyone who's listening to, okay, so I'm assuming that there's a good portion of people that are listening to this episode that um are, are regulars to the pod and listen to the episode two weeks ago, which was on the counsellor. Mm. Now, what, like kind of backing up what you were saying, it's like the counsellor, it's quite easy to shit on that because cause a bit fuck you really, like there was no effort but you have a lot of money. You mm. don't really care about what you make. Like I got the feeling if Ridley wants to call me and tell me otherwise, sure. Um, I got the feeling Ridley didn't really give a shit about it but he knew he could make a movie so mm. he just did it. And this particular film is harder because – Fuck, there was probably a lot put into it, like a lot of time, energy, um, like, you know, mental exhaustion. Like they they, they were probably so fucking happy that they scored William H. Macy for this movie. Mm. And, oh, my God, John Leguizamo is going to – oh, my God, this is insane and, you know, all of that. And like you – I'll be honest, I found it a bit boring. Like, yeah. I didn't hate it. It's not It's oh, not a God. matter of like, oh, <laughs> fuck you, Ridley Scott and Brad Pitt like in his stupid big hat. Like it's not like that. It's much more like, oh, fuck, I wish that had done better. Let me tell you a story, shall I? Mm, please, love this. Um, I wrote a play uh, that I put up for the first time in 2017. Um, it was directed by a friend of mine. I wrote this show. Um, it starred a bunch of my friends' Uh, we put a fair bit of money into it and we got up my first ever show and I was so proud of it. Like this thing took me so long to write. My friends that worked on this show with me put so much into it. I watched it and I was like, oh, my God, like, yep, the, I put so much of myself into this show and so much of my time into this show in 2017. And I was like, this is oh. Mwah. I'm this, this is it. This is my, this is my moment. Right. And it went up and people who loved me were like, that was fucking sick. Like what a great show. That was, oh, it's very funny. And oh, miss, you could hear your voice. And that was so good. But in terms of reviews, it was a three-star show. Mm. And I was crushed. I was so, I was like, this was going to be my five-star moment. I was going to make it from an independent theatre production. But I honestly, because I felt like I'd earned that, yeah. <laughs> because I'd put so much into it, and all these people that were in it were so fucking talented, and and my, and my mate Blake who directed it, he he put so much of himself into it, and I was like, this is gonna this is gonna be it. Um, and in 2017, it was a three star show, and I it re- that really hurt me, and the majority of the criticism was on the editing and the writing, which was my role in it. And it was my first big hit on it doesn't always mean that just because you make it, that it's going to be fucking great, like the yeah. way my mum thought it was, you know? Um, anyway, I'm not trying to school the writers or the directors on this film, but I think as movie, re- fam- like as famous movie reviewers like us, Zach, um, <laughs> I feel like we can address that we, that, we can recognize that there was so much put into this movie. Well, and yeah. I'm almost apologetic that it didn't hit the mark for me.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely, like, like legit for me. That's the thing. It's like I can tell you what I didn't like about it, and maybe I will. <laughs> maybe yeah. I will. But it, it, it really like I. It, it's so funny you bring up your show because it, it. I really felt like I really felt it. I really felt like. Um, I was like, I, I, I could see me there. I yeah. could see me, uh, you know, in some capacity involved in something like that. I don't yeah. do drama, but I could see a comedy equivalent of that, or I could see. There was, um, uh, it was a re- reunion of the Waco Waco cast of, um, the the second in charge at Waco. The second in charge at the Waco in the Waco cult in the Waco miniseries, was the guard in this. Really, I'm pretty sure. Don't quote me on that. But I'm Mike pretty Epps sure Mike Epps was
1: in it. They got Mike Epps. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> I've was, never look. I might have put on a three star show in 2017 but I didn't have Mike Epps. (laughs) I fucking wish I had Mike The cast
2: is like, that that was the big thing for me, right? It was like a first-time director. It was a writer that, and I was just like, I want to know, because the film seemed quite low budget and it seemed, um, and it didn't quite come together for me, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. (laughs)
2: Um, But it had like an incredible cast and not just like, Oh, the, that cast should be bigger than they are. Kind of cast, mm. like like William H Macy, Felicity Huffman, yeah, um, uh, John Leguizamo. I nearly just went on first name. I don't know the man,
1: <laughs> Johnny L, Johnny L, Leggy, oh mate, Legs, Legsy, <laughs> Legsy, Legsy, like the cast is like
2: like. To a normal viewer, like, they're all character actors, they're not, like, but they're all, like, good, good actors and they would command, like, not in the millions but in the probably at least tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands for the role. You know what I mean? Like They're, like, hard to get actors and in-demand actors and it's, Mm -hmm. like... I, I'm so curious what they were drawn to and I'm so curious like ha- how that happened. Was it like they got one and then it kind of spiralled from there?
1: I think it's that concept. It was the concept of the film that was actually quite good and and a concept that does quite well in cinema, especially with a lot of independent films, is that idea of, um, you know, bad boy or bad girl or whatever uh, uh, grows and develops and becomes better. Do you know mm. what I mean? Um I'll be honest. I thought that John Leguizamo's character was going to be like a, a Hillary Swank in Freedom Riders, or a Samuel Jackson in Coach Carter, or um, a Michelle Pfeiffer in Dangerous Minds. You know, that's the the teacher at the school who, that who is he
2: is going to be in in his chess movie that's come that's come out in the US is oh, coming critical out. Critical
1: thinking, very exciting. yeah. it Looks
2: oh, one, 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 one. <laughs>
1: yum yum yum. If there's anything I like more than horny '90s thrillers, which there isn't, but the rival to horny ninety thrillers for me is a bad boy does good in high school film.
2: <laughs> oh man. Oh, and the uh the teacher comes in teacher comes in and shows that through the power of X, these mm. that the, the like, yeah, I love those movies. Yeah. And Don't dig too an... deep because mm. they are feeding the concept that um, so like government, and the reason those people are oppressed is not because they don't. Is not because they, they don't, don't have don't an inspiring poetry. teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All they need to do is read some old white, dead white guys, and suddenly the systematic racism <laughs> and poverty will be it's all eradicated. Be
1: fine. <laughs> um, Michelle Pfeiffer comes in and reads to them Bob Dylan lyrics, and all of a sudden, <laughs> oh wow! oh whoa. That... Oh. I'm fine now! Oh my god, my mother can afford
2: private healthcare now. <laughs> she can she can finally treat her cancer. Oh, no, I
1: am a sucker for those movies okay, like, I love they're, they're the ones that make me cry. Like I've watched, I've watched Remember the Titans mm. so many nom, times. Nom 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 yummy yummy. Well, Dangerous Minds, arguably, is my favorite, which is the Michelle Pfeiffer one. Dangerous Minds is a brilliant movie. Freedom Riders, like great. Like they're all very good. And I think that that kind of concept, not obviously with the teacher coming through and doing good because John Leguizamo was definitely not that character, but it was very much that kind of young um, bad boy who has so much potential.
2: It was very, um, what was that? I haven't read it. I've only ever seen the films that reference it, <laughs> which is telling that it's um, Catcher in the Rye kind of thing. Yeah. yep.
1: It was very. Um, also, I think the appeal for this movie is that it's a really great ensemble kind of deal. Yeah. Like, a lot of young boys are part of this, like, are, you know, in this institute and, you know, there was appeal to the movie. I mean, as soon as they signed John Leguizamo or they signed Felicity Huffman, it's like, would fuck yeah, a trick, yeah I'm are, a 22-year-old yeah. actor who's struggling and I just got a movie with Felicity Huffman. How? F-
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. How fucking sick is that?
2: It was very, um, it was, a, there was a, an element in it as well, like, I remember I watched an interview once with uh, Natalie Portman um, about the movie where she plays this sexy, scary ballerina, Black Swan. <laughs> yeah, sexy, 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 scary ballerina. Oh my god, that was the most uh, awful, reductive thing I've ever said about a film ever. <laughs> anyway, um, so sexy, 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 scary ballerina. Um, in this interview, she was talking about how she learned how to do ballet. She learned how to do this, that, and the other. And um, she talked about all the effort she put in, how collaborative uh, Darren Aronofsky was. Mm. And she sat down to watch the film at a screening or at the premiere or somewhere. She sat down at this screening to watch the film and was shocked to discover that it was a heightened kind of erotic thriller like was shocked to find out that it was more in the sexy thriller genre because she thought she was making something more like the wrestler she thought she was making oh. a a complex character realistic character study of someone struggling with their mental health that's what she thought she was making She sat down and she watched a sexy thriller yeah and and um And she was, and I remember the quote where she was like, film really is the director's game. And I was like, I I really thought, I was like, I really, I wondered how the script read. I reckon the script must have read really good. Mm. And then it didn't quite come together in the edit and the execution. And I just, I would love to know what the actors felt, you know, did they know it was a bit wonky when they were shooting it? Did they sit and watch it? Like how? I would love to know what people's feelings were about it because I think sometimes it made me think a lot about like everything I do, I have a control over. I, I'm like a producer on it, I'm a yeah. writer on it. It, it. Same with you. Everything, and I know you joke about it, but you do you do, do a lot of stuff and you're a part of it <laughs> behind the scenes. And I just was really like, God, it would suck to just be an actor. Like it really would suck to be like, to, like Felicity Huffman gives like a fucking killer performance. She's in it for like one scene yeah, it and it's be. so good. Yeah. And it's just not, it doesn't quite work and it's like she gave all of that and then just left. Like she came to set, she gave all of herself and then went home and then like.
1: I think there's potential that this was a, a, a not a great script and I don't think it was very well edited. I think those are yeah. the two issues. We've seen Johnny Johnny legs, Johnny do legs, some pretty shocking writing in the past. Um, and to be honest with you, this is like I said previously. This isn't like the counsellor. This isn't like this is a fucking heaving pile of of dog shit on fire. This is not like. That. Um, it was just dull, and also though I was thinking while I was watching it, um, I think that we've kind of like. We've kind of been destroyed by a lot of Hollywood blockbuster movies to keep, like, in terms of getting entertained and staying focused and being in a film. Um, I remember that, like, how long ago was it? Maybe, like, four years ago, five years ago, um, I rented... No, it was Renting Days, so this would have been, like, seven years ago or something like that. Yeah, yeah. I rented Raging Bull.
2: Oh, wow, yeah, yeah.
1: Right? And everyone had told me, like, because I, I loved De Niro, right, but I'd never seen Raging Bull, and I was like... Everyone was like, you've got to fucking see Raging Bull, man. It's like a classic. And I was like, yeah, shit, yeah, I'm going to rent whatever. And I rented it and I chucked in the DVD and it was in black and white. And I was like, oh, that's a really cool convention, man. And then I was watching it and I was like, yeah, his performance is really good, like he's a good actor, but fuck I'm bored. <laughs> like this is so long and so chatty. Where are the fights? Yeah. Where is, where is this, that, and the other? And it's because we're so used, like, I mean, I can only speak for myself, I suppose. But at that stage, I was just so used to the big action and the big funnies and the sex and the tits and the, you know. Well, I think as well, though. Like- <laughs> I just made it sound like all all a movie needs is some tits. No. You know, there was not one tit in this movie. Um, <laughs> but also, just quick side note, talking about tits. <laughs> um-
2: okay, yeah, I'll let you go on that. <laughs> I was going to be like, I was going to talk about um, Martin Scorsese and long films, but, no, I think I think based on our brand, mm. who we are and why people listen to us, I need to let you go down the tits
1: path. Yeah, sweet, sick. Thank you so much. Um, I want to firstly say that Raging Bull is a fucking excellent film. But I remember watching it going, this is so long and boring. Yeah, because we've been ruined. Um, But in terms of tits, uh, which brings me into, like, romance um, and women and the purpose of women in movies, um, this is a good movie to talk about how a romantic interest in a film Mm. is so unnecessary so unnecessary like and i'm not trying to say that they exploited a woman in this movie or whatever i wouldn't like that but the need like so he falls in love or starts having romantic feelings for the woman who is essentially the sick bay lady
2: <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah. she he gets romantic feelings for it. it's very prison break If anyone has seen Prison Break, I was a big Prison Break fan. I got my tonsils removed and um, I watched Prison Break. (laughs) Um, uh, Very much like bad boy falls in love with nurse. It's the same thing. It's the the Sarah Tancredi and Michael Schofield. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And they, like, have a kiss and uh, they have a couple of little chats, but it's nothing really but... But apparently there's, like, this great love between the two of them. It completely has nothing to do with the plot of the movie, in my opinion. The only thing is at the end when he escapes in John Leguizamo's car, spoiler alert. It's called
2: stealing cars and halfway through the film they go, that's a nice car.
1: (laughs) Yeah.
2: (laughs) Like, I wonder what's going to happen to that car.
1: (laughs) Um, Like, I love the kind of very obvious, like, it starts with him stealing a car and that's how he gets in there. But it ends with him stealing a car. And that's how he gets out. Like, that's some deep shit. Anyway, she she helps him steal the car. Like, she helps him and his friend Nathan, who's not Rami Malik, but wants to be
2: Oh, that's so funny. You went with a not Rami Malik, because I was gonna go pretty hard on not Taryn Edgerton for the lead.
1: Uh, oh, it is not Taryn Edgerton. <laughs> It's like and then I realized I was like,
2: fuck a lot of sexy, swoody, swoony, boyishly handsome twenty-two-year-old male actors look like that. That's a very common look. Mm. And it's like, good on Taryn Edgerton for like copywriting that look. Yeah. Cause there's like fifty it's like um, oh what's his name from uh, from um, oh fucking Magic Mike. Channing Tatum. I talk about this all the time, but there's 50 yeah, Channing he, Tatums.
1: They needed, the Hollywood needed a, a six-foot-three, very buff, very shaved man. Yeah. And Channing, they just went, Channing, we'll take him. It's just it's exactly the same as when they went, we need a really pretty blonde, tallish, uh, curvy body. We need that. We'll take Katherine Heigl. <laughs> but no, like it is like like that. They, they, I feel like Taron Egerton was that person. They were like, we need a short, stocky, can pass as bad boy, but if you part his hair right, he's good again.
2: It's but I, sometimes I feel like like that's an art. Like sometimes I feel like that kind of look is so like in need or in vogue that there's a million of them. There's a million of people that like move to L.A. to become an actor, that they've got that look, that it's actually easy if you're a bit funny looking in L.A., I think. Yeah. So then when someone, like I think Margot Robbie's done this. Margot Robbie, there's a million Margot Robbies in L.A. There's a million Tar- Taron Edgertons and there's a million Magic Mikes. Mm-hmm. And for them to be like, oh, no, I'm the Taron Egerton, yeah, <laughs> I'm the six foot tall, like I'm the five foot tall boyishly handsome 22 year old. Yeah. Like I, I'm that one. And if you want, if you want that, you and come contra- to me. <laughs>
1: controversial statement. And what Australia, the industry in Australia does is go, oh, okay. So America has this. We need one of those in Australia.
2: <laughs> yeah. America
1: has a Taron Egerton. So uh, me as a um, agent, mm-hmm. I will, I will, I will make sure I have a Taron Egerton on my books. <laughs> Here's a little story. Story time.
2: Love this. This is what I want out of this podcast. We don't need to tear into a movie. That yeah, no, that fuck. Well. It
1: was boring. It was fine. It was
2: fine. Whatever. Like, it was their journey and good mm. for them and beautiful actors and I love all the actors. And, anyway, let's talk about your story. Okay.
1: Um, I, so when I finished acting school, uh, we do this showcase thing where it's like you're trying to get an agent, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I feel like I can tell this story. You probably can't, but I'm going to tell mine. <laughs> I, uh, so we had our showcase and it was to get an agent and I had an agent come up to me and they're like, we, I'd love to have a meeting with you. I'd really love you on my books. And of course I was like, oh my God, that three years was worth it. I've got a meeting with an actual real life agent. And so I met up with this agent in St. Kilda at a cafe. Um, and they, they purchased me a chai latte. I didn't ask, like, I, I just got there and like, we got you a chai. Yeah, weird, right? I just but I was go like, all right, I'll try. All right, I don't yeah, know, no, thank but you. I was like, oh, thank you, I'll, I'll have the ch- try. And I sat across from two people who were part of this agency.
2: Wow, I've never heard this story. Mm-hmm.
1: This is something I told Keep you. Going. This no, this is great. Oh, I love cool. this. Uh, and uh, they were like, oh, um, uh, I saw your showcase. My friend here did not see your showcase, but it was a really, really great showcase. You're, you're very funny, and it was it was a great scene choice for you. And and we've taken on two other people from your from your class as well. And I was like, that's awesome. They're like, so let me tell you a bit about our books. We're, we're, we're quite a niche agency. We only have 20 people on our books. But what we're missing is Rebel Wilson. <laughs> and I was like, oh. And at this time I was I was fresh from acting school and I, was, I had no idea what was going on and I'd been broken there. So <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And they were like, and you're going to be perfect. You're going to be our rebel, essentially. They said, they said, Um, What we're missing is a Rebel Rebel Wilson and we'd love to have you on our books. And I was like, okay, okay, sure. And so I signed on to their things or whatever. Problem is, is there's not a lot of work for Rebel <laughs> Wilson unless you're Rebel Wilson. Yeah, there's
2: also already a Rebel Wilson.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, and Rebel Wilson's Australian, but, but the Rebel Wilson also exists already. So yeah. um, they ended up putting me forward for a bunch of things like commercials uh, that I was never going to get hired for and, um, you know, uh, musicals and I can't sing or dance. Mm. A big surprise to everybody, I'm sure. Um, but, yeah, I just thought that that was very, it was that idea of like, America's got one. Yes, Rebel Wilson's Australian, but we didn't embrace her until America did. So, yeah, yeah. Um, America's got a rebel. This agency, I won't say who they are, but this agency was like, we need a rebel too. And there's, there's one. <laughs> there's a funny person.
2: interesting. It's so yeah. like, um, I don't know. It's very, I, I really like, honestly, my big thing coming out of acting school was I was like, I'm too funny looking. I'm too, like, of my own kind of vibe that I I will never get any of the parts, particularly when I was 20. I was like, I'll never, I'm not a good enough actor to, like, blow people away with auditions. Also, at a level, you know, that thing they say at the end of third year, they're not looking for the best actor. They're just looking for, like... Like, they, they're already, if you're in the audition, if you've got an agent, they assume you're a good enough actor. They're just looking for the right person for the part. Of course. And it's, like, for me, I was just, like, I've got long hair. I'm, like, I'm not, like, I'm i I'm, I'm often, I'm yo-yo like an Oprah, but, like, I'm often overweight but not, like, comedically so. Or, like, I'm not, like, obese. Um, I, you know, I'm not attractive but I'm not, like, funny looking quite to the degree of like a Steve Buscemi. Please don't correct me in the
1: comments on that. <laughs> no, Zach, you're not like Steve Buscemi. Um it, I just was like I don't fit
2: into anything comfortably. Like I definitely am not a leading man but I don't fit into anything and I was just like I, I can't be bothered walking into auditions, like audition after audition just being like, doing my best and them going, well, we, we'll go with the person that's more of whatever he has, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was just like I want to get to a point where like I, I just want to do it, my, like I don't know where I'm going with that. But to, to describe you as a Rebel Wilson type is really reductive and frustrating and oh, that really so annoys silly. me because there's a million Taron um. Egertons, there can be more than one Rebel Wilson.
1: Yeah. And I'll just make it very, very clear that they are no longer my agent. Like, (laughs) we we went separate ways about two years after uh, our first initial meeting because I couldn't get a job. But that's a story for another time.
2: You've got Um, to make your own work. If you're listening, if you're listening, you've got to make your own work. But don't do it in a cynical way. Just make art.
1: Yeah, thank you. That's the lesson. That's what we learned. Um, But, yeah. That's great.
2: I, I think that's a really lovely story. Mitch. Oh, do you? Yeah, I think that's a well not a lovely story. I knew you had a Rebel Wilson thing. I you would always talk about there's already a Rebel Wilson. You would always talk to that and I was like that's so sad that she thinks there's only space for. I never realized you actually had someone sit you down and be like you're our Rebel Wilson. That's yeah. um
1: Yeah.
2: It's really shitty. That's a really shitty thing to do.
1: Oh, look, it's okay. I'm fine now. <laughs> I'm fine. Um, And, like, you know, if a casting agent ever calls me and they say, we wanted Rebel but we're going to go with you, I'm not going to be like, I'm not Rebel, bitch, I'm Mish. I'll be like, yes, thank you, please. (laughs) And admittedly,
2: like, I've worked with ad people before um, Hmm. and they are are that. I guarantee you there would be ads that are like, (laughs) we want a Rebel Wilson type. And they're just like, it's like, is that because this ad is a direct ripoff of fucking Pitch Perfect? <laughs> like, have you, um, that's my favourite thing. That is that is my favourite thing in the world. My brief spell of trying acting as a like as a thing was <laughs> just, um, just add add character descriptions. They're always it's always they're weird and different and unusual and kooky, but likable. They're likable and and not unattractive. Like, like they're they're always like they'll always like go what they want creatively, mm-hmm. but what they know the client's going to freak out about. And I've I've never read a character description for an ad that isn't just like completely contradictory. Like oh, always, yeah. the parts I'm going for are always like they're weird and crazy and upsetting, but likable and charming, like <laughs> your best mate, but super creepy and odd, but yeah. funny
1: and and happy. <laughs> it's like yeah. what
2: I, I haven't hate it. I
1: haven't um gotten an audition for an ad or a um. Or oh, yeah, like I haven't I've haven't been pitched. I haven't auditioned for an ad for a really long time. Yeah. Uh because mostly, fun fact, in to order to get an ad an audition for an ad, you kind of do need an agent and I don't currently have one. Um but a lot of the ones I would get was like we need a we need a woman with a real body. Like a real body. But this is for an ad for fake tan. <laughs> it's like I'm not going to get that.
2: I still remember when I auditioned <laughs> for a KFC ad. And I sat down, I sat down at this audition and I was like um, trying to work out what they wanted. It was early, early days. And I sat down and I was like, this is a good ad for me because I love, I love fried food. (laughs) I sat down and the guy next to me had his uh, headshot Um, because I think back then you had to bring in your headshot. Maybe you didn't. Maybe this guy just didn't need to do that. But what he had is, for an actor, your headshot... It used to be black and white. There's a lot more freedom now. It's really just, like, a shot of your face. It's kind of your best self kind mm. of vibe. Like, like uh, underbelly casting. Like, it's like you... Very much captures who you are, but you may be kind 15% hotter.
1: Like, kind of like a posed mug shot. Yeah. Yeah.
2: You want to say, this is exactly what I look like. You don't want to go too hot. If you're not hot... You want to be a little funny-looking in your headshot yeah. because if they're looking for a funny-looking person, they want to see that, right? Yes. But also you want to kind of be like it's a best self kind of vibe. It's very funny um, I don't know if you... I reckon you could probably Google Mish's. I know you can Google mine. Very, very funny. People tease me because mine looks like a LinkedIn headshot, but yeah. I had to I had to replace it because the one before it I took when I was 20 years old and 20 kilos lighter and it was just not working for me anymore. <laughs> um, and and I, was, so I sat down, right, so that's what it is. So if I had had a headshot, it would have been an A4 sheet of paper with my face... Um, we were moving towards color then but maybe 10 years before it would have been black and white model headshots i've since learned are uh, you do multiple poses you do face shot you do something else on this a4 so the man next to me for the kfc ad had had a, about four images one of his face another of his face and a full body bonds underwear shot of the most ripped adonis I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> and I was like this cunt has n- has Oh, maybe he has chippies on like a on a Sunday. Maybe
1: he has like some chippies. He has a fortnightly chippies on a Sunday at two o'clock in the afternoon.
2: But I reckon he thinks like I reckon his idea of a cheeky meal is like a sushi. Like that's where he's at. Like our oh, Venn wow, diagram. Really? Our Venn diagram is what I think is healthy. He thinks he has a bun me as a treat. Where I'm like, I, I need to look after myself. <laughs> I'm going to have a bun me. <laughs> That's where, where we meet is what I think is healthy, he thinks is a treat. <laughs> He's like, you know what? I've worked hard enough. It's a Sunday, I'm gonna have some sushi rolls.
1: That's so funny. And this and 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 I was like, and I'm gonna lose this ad, this
2: KFC ad. Actually we shouldn't say KFC, this major um fast food corporation ad. <laughs> <laughs> Let's call it um. I'm going to lose this ad to a man that hasn't eaten KFC in five years. And I thought, that's a bit funny, but also whatever, who gives a fuck?
1: Did, you, did he get the ad?
2: No, but people like him did. It was a more hipster version of him. It was oh, like, yeah. it was, uh, I had my top knot then and I took out my top knot because I saw some people with long hair. Did you never quite know what they're looking for? Mm. And I saw some people with long hair and I was like, oh, they must want long hair, it must be more like, a funny ad. So mm. I took out my hair and then I saw the ad and it was actually, it was actually the Madden brothers and some friends enjoying some KFC on a cricket pitch was it the
1: ad. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish you'd gotten that fucking ad. And I
2: was like, I should have kept the top knot.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I should have kept the top knot. That would have gotten you in with the Madden brothers.
2: Imagine. Imagine. Oh, imagine
1: imagine oh. if you had the Madden brothers on your phone. <laughs> like their numbers. Imagine know, if you had the Madden brothers' phone numbers.
2: I know a guy who did an Like I mean I'm
1: sure that you have a lot of celeb like you would have some big names in your phone
2: or Not at least my phone. access
1: at least access to their phone numbers. Yeah. Like they wouldn't think it was weird if you messaged them. Right, I've got. Yeah. But imagine if you nah, had the Madden like,
2: brothers. You've got. You're assuming I'm sociable. Yeah, that's like, true. <laughs> you're like you would have the phone number of the most famous people. It's like mm. can't, I don't have like Michelle Brazier's phone number. Like I don't have like I don't have my own friends. <laughs> but phone I just numbers.
1: love the idea of like Reese Nicholson. Yeah, that's cool. But imagine if you had the Madden brothers. <laughs> <laughs>
2: imagine the madden brothers oh. i was i went through it this is this is really the last thing i'm going to say and then you, if you've got anything you want to say about anything why not yeah. but i was i was um really sick of my uh spotify algorithm the other mm. day i was like give me something spotify that isn't like they just like oh this guy you know how algorithms think you just like to listen to variations of exactly the same thing mm. like it's like that's what they think a human is. They're like, well, this guy listens to a lot of Grimes and, uh, like, this guy listens to a lot of Grimes and, like, I don't know, Bat for Lashes. And so let's just give him all the ethereal female voices, like, electro-production-y alt-pop and only that. And it's like, what if I'm in a, like, different mood? Like, I also like Smashing Puppet. Like, and anyway, I was like, I want to break it. So I just spent a whole day just, like, listening to everything but... That sort of music, and um, I got to a point. It was a very dark moment. I shared it in my stories, but I got to a point where I was listening to. I think it's called "Dance Floor Anthem" by um, uh, Good Charlotte. Um, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: everybody, I don't want to be in love. I don't want to be in love. love.
2: Yeah, and I was like, <laughs> everybody. this is good. <laughs> I, don't everybody wanna love. Love. <laughs> I don't want to be in love. Which i think. it' which I in my opinion is the greatest pop song of the two thousands. This is gonna be annoying for you, but
1: could you no. please put could you please put that song at the end of this podcast? Yes, that's a great
2: It's the it's the riff, it's so good. It's so like uh, and and I wanna say like whoever the producer is on that song did such a good job. Oh man, the, the Oh. It reminded me I was like I was back in cinema seven. Because I worked oh. in two cinemas when I was seventeen. That was the song that would play in the foyer as I was sweeping popcorn.
1: When Good Charlotte was massive, like when they mm-hmm. first kind of came into the scene and they like blew up. Yeah. It was when I was in like year eight or nine. Yeah. I'm guessing, right? Um, and all the a lot of the girls in my year level. Loved that look. All of a sudden, everyone wanted to date a punk boy. Oh <laughs> like, so it's like they're not actually punk boys, but they wanted to date a punk boy. So all these boys would start dyeing their hair black and, like, getting stretches in their ears and stuff, and I'd love to see those kids now because they all just lived in really nice three bedrooms in Boleen. That's so <laughs> funny. I'm a big punk boy, and they'd put, like, they one of them pierced their nipples with a badge, I remember that. Oh. My friend's boyfriend in year nine was at the train station. That's where you'd hang out. Yeah. Uh, there was a know. lot of cool kids that hang out at Ivanhoe train station. Funny. And there was a guy, what was his name? He went by Treaders. That was what he went by. That was Like, it's not his name, but he went I by the name. I don't care of- for the, nor- the outer
2: northeast. <laughs>
1: He went by the name Treaders and I'm pretty yeah. sure he went to just like a nice private boys' school. Oh, my But God. Um, he dyed his hair black and got a big stretcher and would wear eyeliner and one day in front of a lot of the girls in Year 9 from my school, he pierced his nipple with a badge and I swear to God, I swear he hooked up with someone because of that. Like someone was like, that was fucking sick. Treaders pierced his own nipple. I'm going to kiss him with tongue. I've never heard a stronger
2: argument. For sending my daughter to a multi-gender school, isn't
1: that? <laughs> <laughs> that. hey, I went to I went to a private girls' school. Yeah, I'm a big advocate for co-ed No, I didn't try. And f- I didn't try and fucking give Treaders a hand job because he, <laughs> <laughs> because he <fucking laughs> pierced his nipple with i I've got to
2: say, I've got to say, it goes both ways. Uh, I, I don't want to send my son. I don't want my son to become Treader. That's the yeah. other thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> I, uh, anyway, I, that's so funny. I um that this <laughs> this this amazing story about uh about um, Kurt Cobain apparently like being on stage late in his career and looking out to the audience and just being like. Everyone in the audience right now is dressed like me and everyone in the audience is exactly who I'm talking about in this song that I fucking hate. Like, everyone (laughs) I fucking hate is now dressing like me and coming to my shows and it's like... It's a quote from Kurt Cobain, I love all of my fans. Um, But it was just a very funny, a very funny, like, observation. Well, Zach,
1: bless you. Yes, you do have a lot of fans that love you, but no one's trying to dress like you. (laughs) 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 So I'm going to go with a Zach look today. I think just hoodies and jeans.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It's very... It's very you're a
1: beautiful man, but you're not exactly like a, a fashion icon. <laughs> I definitely,
2: I definitely was talking less about the aesthetic and more about the um guys at school that used to. I definitely get approached from time to time. Like I love the people, like the nerds. I definitely, from time to time, and they're not listening to Missions Axe Leg was Armor Armour. Get approached by people that are just like, oh, Pud. Hey, I fucking love Pud man. Yeah, you guys are fucking sick. I fucking love that one where you do the fucking Coke, man. Yeah, there's no satire there. That's all on the level and I love it. Um and I'm like, you are selling you are going home um and watching one of my videos going, This guy's so funny. And then and then you're jumping onto TikTok or um or Instagram. Just TikTok.
1: TikTok's it now.
2: And you are cyberbullying a seventeen-year-old me. You're going that cunt's not funny at all. He's fucking weird. On another note, fucking poor man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking poor. Yeah, cunt. fucking Bevy's with the boys. There's this. Really I don't great... get it. I just think it's funny. <laughs> Come on,
1: There's this really great TikTok that I saw. This is is my last point. Mm -hmm. Um, It's so good. It's like it says like me when I – no, sorry, like 15-year-olds now and it's a bunch of these 15-year-old girls with – perfect hair and like designer clothes and they're doing tiktok dances which is a thing yeah are uh, these like sexy tiktok dances and they're like oh look at like you know they're, it's just insane and then it flashes to like fit me when i was 15 years old and it's this girl like it's dressed a- up as a star wars character like pretending she's on another planet or something like that and i'm like oh that's so true
2: it's the harry potter ones i've seen harry potter ones of that where it's just like Oh, Harry Potter doing little plays. Oh. It's very funny. It's very, very funny. Um, how many Leguizamos do you give this movie? Remembering it's not a star rating. We don't have to give this movie a star rating. It's a oh, no, and Yeah.
1: Um, based on uh, my Wasamo score for this film, um, I'll be honest, and I, I don't, I, if, if John is listening, hello, can <laughs> we call you the legs?
2: Can we call you the legs? That's all, that's, we, need that's know, all we need to know. That's all we need to know. We're done with needing to know whether we're like we're, we're not going to be too mean spirited anymore. Yeah. We're done with that. We just need to know if we can call we you, can
1: call the, you legs. the legs. Can we call you the legs? Um, and also, I feel comfortable enough to say, "Hey, man, love." I think he knows now. We love your stuff. This just wasn't my favorite. I wasn't completely inspired by it um, in terms of your role in it. Um, I found your and I found your character a little bit confusing. Like, yeah. are you are you good or are you bad? <laughs> I, I was. Which just, was, it, I think,
2: oh, sorry, you talk. You and
1: I will so say sorry. that John plays Surly very well. It's a different kind of legs. We haven't <laughs> seen this kind of legs. Um, <laughs> but I found it a fairly uninspiring kind of uh, movie. I, I was left whatever. And I don't think it showcased legs to the best of his ability. Um, if this was a Felicity Hoffman rating, like a, a Felicity Hoffmania
2: yeah, this fel- was Felicity Huffman. Yeah, Hoffmania. yeah mania. that's great, Felicity. I would Hoffmania, be giving
1: this yeah. like a four or four and a half. I reckon for that because one scene. That's amazing. Yeah. She's only that last one scene, scene. That last scene. No, the last bit where he rocks up to the I'll house. Checked out. Oh, I watched it.
2: Don't worry, I watched it. I watched it. One hundred percent. Yeah, it was. Very, she was very good. <laughs> I watched it. Don't worry. I watched you didn't the watch film. the last scene, did you? He drives up, so the girl, the girl gets in there with not Rami Malik and I'm like, why is she there? And then um, one of the many father figures that could have been amalgamated in a rewrite decides not to shoot him. Then he goes uh, to his mum's house and he's like, you know, I'm going to get rearrested but I'm ready. I'm ready for healing. I'm, I'm sorry and, I for- like, and I'm ready. Yeah, and, and she, she gives him a and cuddle. He-
1: yeah, yeah, and he says thank you you did watch it. Yeah. Well done. I Zach. watched it. Thank you. you. Get I just treat. wasn't like a job.
2: I wasn't like there I get with it. it, you know. I was I pretty it. tired, you
1: know. Um, I thought that her performance when he says like I'm sorry and everything's going to be okay and she hugs him and she's like do you love me and he goes yes I love you. I was like god she's very very good. I don't think she's canceled cuz she tried to buy her daughter into college. <laughs>
2: God, if we're gonna cancel people, she went for to jail for a bit,
1: didn't she? She did a. She went to. He said I bad. She said I did a bad thing. I've, I'm very rich and tried to. Yeah, you
2: know we yeah. all do it. We all yeah, do it in our If you had my money, way. you try
1: and say that your daughter did rowing too, or whatever it was that she did. Right, I don't. I think don't think she's
2: cancelled. She's no, not I, cancelled. I, we can. I'm still not love prepared to listening. cancel her. Yeah,
1: I'm not ready. I'm not ready. And if I'm sorry, if she's cancelled, so is William.
2: Well, do you know there was a very? Int- I read a very interesting article about how William H. Macy. Um, they were like, it's interesting that she's the one going to jail because of you know because of w- woman's work because the woman is often takes the burden of that. He's just as responsible, but she sent the emails. Mm. And I thought, isn't that fascinating? The blame we put on women. Um, but that's for another podcast and another person to talk to. Over <laughs> to you, Mish.
1: Thank you so much. Um, but uh, let's everyone just let that resonate for just so like, Let's have a three seconds of silence for that thought. I'm
2: so sorry for interrupting a woman to do my performative <laughs> feminism.
1: Uh, yeah, but I would genuinely, let's just have, we're not, Zach and I aren't going to talk about it, but let's just have three seconds of silence for that moment. Oh, no. Okay. Um, I give it to Leguizamas.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah, right. Okay, yeah, mm. right on.
1: Um. Oh, actually, uh, I'm gonna go two and a half because he the the sweater vest. Yeah, like for me, two and a half like, for the sweater vest.
2: Yeah, Leguizamo was in it a bunch. Like that puts it up to three. Um. He he. Well, like he was in it. I'm not saying. A, I'm not giving it a star rating. Like how, how Leguizamo. He was it. He was in it heaps, um, so like it's got a pretty high Leguizamo score. Surely on that alone. But
1: if you'd never seen a Leguizamo movie before, you'd never seen Leguizamo in anything before, and you had no idea who he was. And this was the movie that was put in front of you. Yeah. You wouldn't be like, "Oh wow, he he smashed I, yeah, it other."
2: Yeah. yeah, no, that's fair. I think that.
1: I think you're going I, into this. I think you're going into this with Moulin Rouge. I've got Leguizamo my. In
2: I've your got head. my. I've got my leg. Leg. Leg, leg glasses. Leg glasses. On. Leg, glasses my leg, leg gla- glasses. Leg glasses. On. Leg glasses on. My leg glasses on. <laughs> leg glasses. Leg gl- 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 on. And <laughs> um, I think that he. I thought he was solid in it. I, I think that so much of a performance is in the edit. And I think the, that the edit was where this didn't come together. Mm-hmm. So much of a performance is in the structure of the script. Like. His entire arc kind of happens within a ten-minute window. Like mm. um, the other thing is like uh, it 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 needed where, where it really lacked. I think was there was just like and I don't want to I don't want to go too hard on it, but there were three male authority figures in this story. Yep. There was the cop, there was Leguizamo and there was the just great actor but a teensy tiny bit miscast. Um, and, <laughs> um, and they were all in it and I really felt like they should have all been amalgamated into John's character. There was
1: even more than that. There was Mike Epps, the cop.
2: Well, he was one of the three, wasn't he? So said Mike and Epps. But then
1: also his dad.
2: Yeah, William H. <laughs> Macy.
1: Um, also that boy that... Uh, that uh, he put on football gear and beat him down a lot, and then all of a sudden was like, "Yeah, you've yeah, really you're got all this. right, man." I know I described that scene really badly, but it's a it's it's un- don't worry about we it. Don't. Like, it's fine. Yeah, it's not necessary.
2: Um, you've seen that scene before. Um, <laughs> it, 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 I think that for that film to really work, it needed one male authority figure regardless of what the true story was and and this is just my opinion i don't don't know shit but i think they should have amalgamated all the all the figures into one and and john should have played all of those figures he should have been the cruel guard and the police officer picking up and he could have been a really complex character and that film could have been about the two of them and that's it really then it would have had I think a better a star rating and a much higher leguizamo rating.
1: Absolutely, if this movie was different completely, it would have a different <laughs> leguizamo rating. No, but that's
2: like a, that's one of those ones where, like, you know how with um what was the the dumb cunt movie with the dumb cunt writer. The Cormac McCarthy one, counselor. That, the counselor. That was one where I go. There's nothing I can do for this film. You know what I mean? Like, if you gave me this movie, my my note would be don't make the movie. Whereas this one, I feel like you like there was feedback to give. Do you know what I mean? And and my feedback was, in all seriousness, it needed a lot more Leguizamo. And we say that like, oh, we love like in that character. There was three or four characters that that character should have been. All of them. Every interaction he had with an authority figure should have been rewritten to be mm. that character. Then it would have had f- a five Leguizamo.
1: So what does it get this time?
2: I'm going to dock a, a Leguizamo for every character that should have been Leguizamo. <laughs> so I'm going to do-
1: <laughs> Mike Epps, you're docked.
2: I'm docking him for a Mike Epps and I'm docking him for a... guard. Mean guard. Mean guard. William H. Macy did need to be in the movie because it was about... He, I'd, you know, dock he, I'd dock a half
1: up. I'd dock a half But, half-a. no, he loses H. Macy
2: and he's replaced by a Leguizamo. Okay, yeah. And there's a synergy to that. You lose okay. one handsome leading man disguised as a character actor and you gain a new handsome leading man disguised as a character actor. Yeah. So I'm going to give it three Leguizamos for those... But those That was, are, a,
1: that was a good way of doing it.
2: But those are a harsh two-off. Like, those are a harsh two-off. In fact... I'm going to give it two. No, three. <laughs> three Leguizamos. <laughs> it's important that I get this right. I'm going to shut up now. No, that's really
1: good. I think that you have a much better system of figuring out Leguizamos than me. And I think I need to get better. And I'm so sorry. Michu, <laughs>
2: <laughs> fucking. No, I, um, I need you to uh, listen back and put the if you want to, put put them next to each other. And you'll see that I don't have a system. What oh. I just said then. <laughs> Had no relate. Remember, always remember. If you're ever doubting your own system, always remember that I consider um, a piece of writing that advertises the next episode to be worthy of two leguizamos. Like yeah. I, I have no system. Yeah, I have no system. I, but I, I, What I will say, I'm good at is I'm good at like separating the stars from the leguizamos. I take pride in. Yeah, that. you're
1: very good at that. <laughs> like, if everyone, and anyone doubts you, everyone go back and listen to Arabian Nights. Zach, Which do you have a I review? would have given
2: four and a half stars <laughs> because of that piece of writing.
1: Yeah.
2: What's the review? Um, is uh, um, you did the such a good way to get your five stars up last week, didn't yes. you? Yeah. So. Um, uh, <laughs> oh god! Uh, all right, the thrilling comeback. I haven't read this one, so if it's offensive, I'm not going to cut it because I can't Is it five stars? Yeah.
1: Great. Don't worry. So it should be.
2: We haven't received a single four star. Oh, and if we thank do, you, everyone. Thank you. If we do, you're done. This podcast stopped. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's one of those, like, if yeah. one of you do that, none of you get the podcast anymore. Yeah. Uh, but unless you don't like the podcast, then we will, we will keep recording it and send it to you and make you listen in 2009 as a young boy yet to truly discover his own body. I fell in love with mission Zach's irreverent summations of master chef Australian season one. 11 years later, I am now a jaded young millennial with mild depression. Well, you were always a millennial. That doesn't change. That's based on your birth year. I am now a jaded young millennial with mild depression and I have to wonder if the joke should have stayed dead. John Legg is a total babe, though, like I fully would.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was great.
2: That was by Zach D.B. Smith. Thank you so much, Zach. Thank
1: you so much. Cool (laughs) first name. (laughs) <laughs> um, common last name. <laughs> um, no, that was that was a great review. I loved that.
2: Yeah, we all would.
1: We, we all would. would. We all would. A hundred percent. Awesome.
2: Any final thoughts from you, Mish?
1: Not really. Um, just that uh, the concept of uh, I went to like I just want to say again, I went to an all girls school mm-hmm. from year five to year twelve.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and in my experience, this never happened. But I'd love to hear from anyone who fell in love with their sick bay lady.
2: Yeah, that's a great that's a great yeah. question. Like maybe Did even you... do a post on Instagram about that and we will mm-hmm. ask, or get, do some comment. You can say who. Yeah, I who don't care your... about
1: teachers. I don't want to know if you fell in love with your maths teacher, your art teacher. I don't care about that. I want to know if you ever had romantic feelings for your sick bay lady.
2: Well, the se- se- and in Australia that was often the secretary doubling up.
1: Yeah, often. So oh, not you... at my school. At my school we had enough money to afford a sick payday.
2: In the country we uh we definitely there was a secretary. So <laughs>
1: <laughs> we uh, come from different places.
2: <laughs> the uh I can I just say I played it, but I was not shocked or upset by your badge through the nipple story because that
1: happened a lot. Yeah. That was a lot for a sheltered little private school girl.
2: Oh, boy. Not the only was, was I
1: looking at a man nipple, <laughs> not only <laughs> had I seen my first boy nipple, but I was seeing him put a badge through it. It was incredibly disturbing. Anyway, um, amazing. everyone, thank you so much again for listening. Jump on to uh, uh, Apple Podcast Review Things. That was such good. Such Sorry? good promo. Me? Yeah, great job.
2: Get on the get on the, <laughs> Get on and you know, give it a fall. Uh but uh, no, thank you so much, Mish. And take it away, good Charlotte.
1: <laughs> Everybody I don't, want it. I don't, want it. I don't-
2: They were
0: together
2: all that time he was taken up for granted
0: Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery, soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing.